Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Taylor. A streak-stopping, nail-nibbling win by the Bears on the road in primetime. It was far from a masterpiece, but deeply compelling as the Bears upset the Vikings 12-10 without scoring a touchdown. Cairo Santos bouncing back from an early misfire to boot four field goals, including the game winner with 10 seconds to go. In Minnesota, with Super Bowl winning Bear guard Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears Etc. Episode number 37. Bears three and one in primetime this season, four and eight overall, and now have reached the Week 13 bye. Five games to go, Big Tom. All of them outdoors in the elements, including three at Soldier Field, including Week 14, a noon start with the Detroit Lions. And however you want to slice it, after an 0-4 start, the Bears are four and four. They found a way to get 500 in the last eight games and five games to go, and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I guess not. I mean, they're still playing with attitude. <clears throat> they're still playing with hustle. They're still playing with fight till the end of the game. And uh, they're making significant improvement in certain areas that, that gives you a, really a positive thinking about the future. So I'm happy what I've seen. And I'm kind of glad the season's unfolding where and when it is because they played a difficult game in Detroit. They played a difficult game and talking about the atmosphere in Minnesota. Now they have a couple games on the uh, at home in the cold, and you're going to learn a lot about guys in that role as well. And then you close out the season against the Green Bay Packers from a team that you played the first week of the season. And so I think you're going to learn a lot about your football team. No question. And no matter how it unfolded, Big Tom, uh, Justin Fields lost two fumbles in the fourth quarter, but resiliently fought back to put that out of his mind, make the biggest play. Some are saying the biggest play in his career, a 36-yard strike to D.J. Moore, who took advantage of the coverage that the longest play of the game on that dagger route um, and set up Santos for the 30-yard field goal for the win. So uh, after going 12 for 12 to start the day, and moving the football again, but not able to put in the end zone and still managing to get the win. Uh, I Granted, you should when you take the ball away four times, but I got to give Justin credit there. He, he stepped up and zipped that throw. And, in fact, there were two throws on that drive, the 16-yarder, and he was uh, a little bit Houdini all day. Yeah, so the end result and that throw to D.J. Moore, it, it leaves a really good feeling about what Justin's capable of. But, unfortunately, as a player, as a coach, as a broadcaster and as an evaluator, you don't only get a chance to watch one play. You have to watch the whole game. So there are there are different plays within that game that I'm sure Justin would like to have back or, uh, you know, running backs would like to make a different decision. Offensive linemen would like to understand their blocking responsibility according to the play. But that's the great thing about football. You go back and you study your past performance and you see how you can be better your next performance. Good news, Chicago. United Airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. All right, Tom, according to ESPN Stats Info per Courtney Cronin, our good friend from ESPN 1000, does a great job writing about the Bears, does so in a fair way. Uh, Fields blitzed on 52% of his dropbacks. 
Uh, and again, it was a horizontal horizontal plan, 13 screens that led to his lowest air yards per attempt and air yards per completion of his career, just 2.4 and 1.9 in the completion, only three of five passes, 10-plus air yards in the game. So you could see the chart. You could see where D.J. Moore ran his routes. There's one particular one just standing out there, 36 yards away, middle of the field on that throw that set up the field goal. But let's take this in two parts because you watch the tape very, very closely, and you do so with um, a very keen insight. So how did the entire pass protection plan work against a 52% blitz rate? That's one part. And part B, what did you think of a perimeter plan to fight that blitz. Okay. So <clears throat> let me make one thing, uh, what my feeling about that. So if you have a perimeter plan of attack against the blitzing football team, I wish they could count in lateral air yards because that is significant. How quickly the ball has to get out of your hand, how the placement has to be perfect. And you have to have good exterior blocks in order to get anything out of them. So I think it would be a, you'd have a difference of opinion yeah. if you could have a stat that counted uh, lateral yards as well as downfield yards. It, to me, when you talk about the blitzing of Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, I think unless they got just got beat by a, a better defensive effort than the blocking effort, I think the Bears did a really nice job. I think if you could take out the mental errors that um, showed up a couple times in pass protection, I still think the Bears did a really nice job. Um, are, is an offensive line or running backs ever going to have a perfect performance in that many pass-blocking responsibilities? No. However, they won way more than they lost, and it's evident in what they were able to accomplish at the end of the day. So whether you want to talk about a rookie like Darnell Wright or if you want to talk about Roshan Johnson, both of these guys are improving at a, at a super high rate. Did they make a couple of mistakes in the game? Yeah, but listen, and in my ninth year as an offensive line veteran, I made mistakes. So again, it's about you know your next performance being evaluated from your past performance. First time Bears won a game without scoring a touchdown since 1993. You still were trying to figure out if you were in that game. 6 nothing went over Atlanta. Were you in Miami uh, already? I was in Miami. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm always a Bears fan, but at that point I was pulling for the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a ton these days. and I, I think it's hard. I'm, I'm not, listen, it is what it is. We love this game, and the more interest in this game – Worldwide, the better for all of us who have dedicated our entire life professionally to this sport. And you know no more than uh, anybody else in this world a, a lifetime since you were a youth football player and now an analyst. The statistical analysis out there with everything from next-gen stats to pro football focus to other, other things that are popping up is just insane. And so it does create some narratives, though, and it's unescapable. But the next-gen stats is an NFL backed and funded stat service. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know what, but we should ask them. We should submit this fair question. Do the lateral yards because yeah. it, and what the, because it, it is something that I never gave thought to that you just brought to my attention. And because you're a C student, you're more of an idea man than a, right. uh, than a, than a scholar. Big time. You're onto something. 
You're on. Well, no, listen to the man at the podium. And the question was asked about the game plan going into it. And they talked about the lateral passing game um, and how much it benefits the Bears offense against this type of attack. Listen, I think it's a reasonable stat that you should keep because when you're talking about Justin standing on the left hash and throwing a pass laterally in an instance notice to the right sideline, that's 35 yards of carry. And then DJ Moore put, gets a catch, gets a block by EQ St. Brown, and then turns it into a 12-yard gain. I, I think there there is some significant backing, and I think it's complementary to the offense. It's complementary to the speed at the of the play and the decision and the pr- precision accuracy of a pass that difficult for quarterbacks. I, I just think they deserve more credit than oh, what the ball only traveled two yards, you know, per attempt. That's not the case. Yeah, well, a lot of folks looked at this, and if you love offense and you want to see an aerial show, they didn't think much of the game. It's a it's a low-scoring, no-touchdown game for the Bears a week down a win. Uh, there was still drama to it. It was still important. It was a road win in the NFC North for the first time for Matt Eberflus and his administration and for Justin Fields to beat a Viking team that – uh, at the moment, is still in the playoff hunt as the December seven seed, the final seed in the NFC for the wild card. So there's a lot of st- you got to you got to look at it that way. You can't just look at everything through a straw. You got to look at the bigger well, picture. Just one point about that because you have to also look at the other side of the ball because I think the Bears did a really nice job of being deceptive at the line of scrimmage themselves, and then they created some unescapable pockets for Dobbs that resulted in interceptions. So, you know, you talk about the elusiveness of a guy like Justin and his athleticism and how he uses it, and then you look at what the Bears have been able to do with a a good group of defensive linemen that are creating unescapable pockets. Now if you have to throw the ball as much as three-quarters of a second early, it results in a tip ball off the fingertips of a receiver that results in an interception. So you, you got to look at it from both sides of the game plan. Yeah, we'll dig deeper into that after we uh, get a look at the status at Hallis from Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. Take a chance, download the Bet Rivers app today. Here's my conversation with the Bears head coach. All right, Matt, thanks for joining us once again. Congratulations on the win. Played really hard again. Uh, all the analysts around the league keep talking about how hard the Bears play, and eventually, you know, keep pounding that rock. It's going to break, and and it certainly did. Hanging in there, uh, and I know you you finished. And that was the big theme, and everybody on the team in that locker room going to get a painted ball with finish on it. No, no greater word than finish, given how hard it's been, right? Yeah, and and uh, you know, obviously, great to get the division win, and you know, it's always you know fun coaching off a win. And certainly there's a lot of things we can learn from that tape as well. Um, but uh, the situational football was good. You know, uh, we won the third down battle um, and, you know, obviously the fourth downs also. And that's a big part of it. And then we won the two-minute, you know, at the end of the game. You know, so the complimentary football, and again, we had adversity in there. You know, we had a couple of fumbles at the end. Um, you know, and we had to do a good job of stopping them on defense, you know, in, you know, in the four, and make them punt, you know, in, in, the, in that situation to create that two-minute. And the guys did a great job of that. What a great play by TJ, you know, on that third down play to force that fourth and 10. Great play. And then uh, they punt, and then we get two minutes with no timeouts. You know, I thought we utilized our timeouts to just to maximize our time. 
um, in there. And again, we're very comfortable working at two minutes, you know, because we do a lot in practice with no timeouts. And the guys did a good job of operating. And then obviously the big strike to DJ to put us in position. And then we did a good job of, uh, you know, milking it down with a couple kneels there. And uh, uh, the Vikings, you know, used their timeouts. And then, you know, once we scored the field goal, they had five seconds to go. And we had uh, another situational uh, defense that we had to put out there. And the guys did a nice job of operating. So there's always reactions, overreactions, and maybe overstatements on things when, when something like this happens. So some are writing and saying that's the biggest throw in Justin Fields' career, the 36-yard strike to DJ Moore after coming back from two fumbles. Um, I don't know if you frame stuff like that way. I know you're looking very much through um, a straw at the season instead of the big picture, but could that be from your experience? Well, I just know this, that it showed great resolve, yeah. you know, by him, you know, when you have two fumbles um, at the end of the game like that, to be able to reset your focus and reset your mind uh, to the task at hand and then go operate, you know, didn't take a sack, um, you know, found the open receivers, um, you know, scrambled when, you know, he should have scrambled and then hit the open DJ for the big strike to put us in, in the winning position. And uh, that to me is growth. And that's what I, that's how I look at it. You're a defensive guy. Do you have respect for the pressure packages that Brian Flores puts together? Do you think it's right up there among the best in the league and their creativity and constant pressure? Because he was Justin was pulling Houdini X last night for sure. Yeah, he did, and uh, he did a really good job of, of evading most of those mm-hmm. um, for the most part. And again, they got us in, in a couple at the end, uh, but for sure, you know the, the pressure. And again, that's that's something that you know was made famous by you know Buddy Ryan. Um, here at the Bears, you know, when we won the Super Bowl here. And, uh, you know, a lot of those same elements are there. Um, it's just, Some Bear defense in there? Yeah. A little bit? Yeah, there is. Um, but there's, there's you know, multiple fronts in there. But uh, the coverages are different, you know. And I think that we, you know, we can take advantage of some of those pockets that, that are open there. Which leads me to that my next question, because so much attention to the perimeter to try and mute that rush. And that is a great idea. But over the course of the game, how much patience is required by you, even as the head coach, not just the defensive coordinator here too now, uh, to have that patience, to, to ride it out, and knowing your defense was really shutting them down over the course of the entire game? Yeah, I mean, you could certainly feel that was the type of game it was going to be. Um, you know, we anticipated it could be like that. You know, so we, we were set. You know, our mindset was, you know, uh, obviously attack, you know, because our offense did a really good job in the first two series, right? We go 14 plays, 10 plays. We come out of half and go another 10, um, and we finish the game with another 10-play drive. So, um, you know, our idea is attack to attack, and one of those ways to attack is, is on the perimeter. And uh, to spit the ball when they give you um, those pressure looks um, to get it on the edge. And, and we had some very successful plays doing that. And, uh, you know, certainly, and they're going to get some of their plays. You know, they, they reacted to some of them, uh, either from inside out or doing a good job in the perimeter to stop those plays. And and uh, that's certainly all part of it. But uh, that's certainly one of the answers you do for the pressure. DJ Moore, we, we heard what you said about him, and I can't stop talking about him. Um, when he gets the ball in his hands, you, you really are counting on a positive play. And even if it's covered, he's going to wrestle it out He's going to suddenly break away from the tack. He just refuses to quit. He freezes to go down. And right now with Justin, Justin hasn't played the whole season, but they're the number one duo in quarterback rating with receiver quarterback in the NFL. Uh, what, what is that saying about 
just that relationship right now, and it's his go-to. I mean, yes, Komet's getting a lot of targets. Um, you got the running game is still solid. He can beat you with, your, with his legs as well, but that is proving to be very valuable. Yeah, I, I certainly felt that from the onset. Yeah. You know, when DJ came here, there was a immediate chemistry with those guys, and, uh, you know, you can certainly feel that now. You know, and then, you know, we get, you know, put the ball in the hands of the players, right? You know, so DJ is one of our better players. And, you know, at the end of the game, we put it in his hands. And uh, that, that's an important part of that. And really throughout the whole course of the game, you saw the targets and the amount of yards. And now he has a thousand, thousand yards for the season, you know, 70 catches. And, and uh, certainly that's a, that's a bright spot. And we have to keep that going. All right. There's so many little things. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to get them all. But I just felt this game just there, there's a lot more to the story than just the 12-10 finish. And that's what made it compelling for me. Let's start with Roshan Johnson. So Roshan got, I think, 52 snaps in the game. Mm-hmm. By ground and by air, I caught some good balls. But, uh, you know, the pass pro, there was one snap. I can't remember which one now. He basically took down two Vikings on the, on the blitz. Now, nothing was perfect, obviously. But what he did yesterday, how valuable was it just that Whatever little amount it was in terms of total yardage, the pass protection, the catches to help Justin out. Yeah, he did a really good job. Um, you know, again, he's you know has a couple things he's got to clean up, just like the rest of us. But uh, you know, overall, you could you could feel his energy. You could feel um, him in protection. You could feel him, you know, you know, reading the runs the right way. You know, on the toss plays, stretching them out to the numbers, and then cutting them up um, and and running them the correct way. You know, so. Um, that's certainly a big bright spot for him, you know. And then you know, finding himself, you know, in the scramble drill, finding himself open in a couple you know, unique situations. And Khalil did too. You know, Khalil yeah. had that one nice one on the side on our sideline as well. But uh, um, those guys got to continue to do that. Uh, I think Justin's growing that way in terms of you know keeping his eyes on the field. Um, I think he had three uh, three really uh, big chunks in those scramble situations, and uh, he could have hit Mooney on the side on the other one. You know, so that was just a little bit high on that one. Uh, but uh, that was another big opportunity for us. All right, I'm going to stick with the rookie theme. Terrell Smith uh, comes in, leads you in tackles. All eight were solos. Um, and I would have loved to have seen if he would have been able to, to stay healthy in training camp and not have the mono because you don't know where he'd be right now. I mean, maybe you do. I mean, but is that arrow definitely pointing up? Oh, Terrell yeah. Smith? Yeah, yep. him and Tyreek, uh, you know, Ryan Poles and, and his group did, did an awesome job of, uh, you know, evaluating those guys, you know, with the evaluations of the coaching staff and all of us on the same page uh, to be able to get those big corners that are, are good tacklers, but they can play against bigger body guys. And that's, that's important in this league because, you know, when you play that, you know, the go ball or the, or the slant ball, the, the length matters, you know, it does. And even in tackling, tackling, you know, in the perimeter, length matters because you're able to wrap up, you're able to be strong, and you're able to be long, you know, when you're setting the edge out there in the run game. So, you know, that that's a big part of who we are. Uh, we like long uh, defensive backs, and those guys fit right into our mode. Javon Dexter hits the quarterback, gets a flag for it. Uh, what else is he supposed to do at his length and size? Can he turn down so he doesn't slam yeah, him the, down? Yeah, the only thing that they said there is just you just got to brace. You got you can't you know your body weight can't go on the quarterback and he has to do and we coach the guys to do that to make sure that they brace you know on the ground and don't put their weight on the quarterback and this is the way the rules are and it's for good reason you know we want to be able to keep the quarterbacks in the game they're a big part of our game um, you know and so we got to do it right. Is he rising every day? 
Yeah, he is. His pressure rate's up. Um, he's doing a really good job of keeping his pads down. Um, his takeoff, his get-off is really good. And uh, his approach you know, to the quarterback is getting better and better. So we just got to keep building upon that. And Pickens is doing a good job, too. You know, those all those young tackles are in there doing a nice job, and our two vets are doing a, a, a solid job in there as well. Montez Sweat, again, he's eating up grass so quickly when he breaks free of his block, uh, and he's ragged on quarterbacks. I mean, the, this guy's something else, and every it's really helping you across the board. There, yeah, Tez, Tez is a beast in there. You know, he's uh, certainly um, one of the better uh, pass rushers in the league for sure, and you know his pressure rate would show that, sacks would show that, and. We know we're just going to keep getting more and more production out of him. We're going to set him up uh, the best we can for one-on-ones, and he will take advantage of those. I, I just can't get over it. You know, we I think we talked about this last week, but I can't get it out of my head. It just impresses me because you don't think much about that 40 time, but it does factor with this guy. It is. I mean, he's explosive to the quarterback. Yeah, what's what's really cool about him is that the, the effort in which he plays, I think he was at 71%. Uh, yesterday, thirty-nine out of the fifty-five. Yep. Yep. yep, and he's been in the majority of our third downs the entire season. Um, I think it's fifty-one out of fifty-six. I believe that is. So uh, we're excited about where he is and the production that he's bringing. And uh, what's more impressive is that how he plays the run. Um, you know, as as all the pressures that he gives and creates for everybody else, he also plays the run really well. So he's an all-around defensive end, and uh, we're certainly excited to have him. Number one rushing defense in the NFL. Through 13 weeks, I guess, with the bye week. We'll find out in uh, week 14. But that is not an insignificant jump from where you were a season ago. Um, what do you attribute it to? Yeah, the guys are, are really doing a good job, you know, just playing together. You know, and, and when run defense is all about being where you're supposed to be, you know, and playing with good technique and good pad level. And uh, guys understand where they fit in uh, the run scheme. Um, and, again, we have to do a better job yesterday. It was good, but it wasn't up to our standard in terms of the run average. But uh, we got to c- continue to improve on that. And, uh, you know, and the coaches have done a really good job of, of coaching that technique and, and getting the guys in the right position. So it's really all of us, you know, the coaches and the players together, um, you know, making an emphasis of it. You know, and I think, you know, the players that we acquired, you know, again, pointing back to the, to the scouting staff is that, you know, Billings is a big part of that. You know, uh, Walker is a big part of that. You know, uh, TJ cleaning TJ, it up, Jermaine, all those guys. You know, the inside backers—they're all part of it. You know, so it's personnel, it's scheme, it's you know, and it's guys coaching and you know, and playing it. You got a feeding frenzy right now in the takeaway department. Uh, Jalen Johnson, another big game, three pass breakups. He had a direct hand in his own interception and another one, and then probably could have had another pick six. Um, I just remember when Lovey and those guys. They they had a plan, and those guys couldn't wait to start blocking for him. So, get to the numbers, run the sideline, yep. right? Yep, exactly. We you know we had a good setup for him right there, and uh, we'll continue to improve on that, and uh, we'll show him the tape, and we'll continue to practice it. You know, and the big thing uh, for Jalen is that man. You know, he's he's you know really sticky. You know, he's got great feet, and he's able to stay with with receivers in the intermediate and the deep pass. And uh, he's always in position, you know, and we're just going to have to work, continue to work with him and Coach Hoke and, and put him in position to make those plays, and he will because he's going to be in position to make them, and uh, we're excited about his opportunity coming up. Probably they get over-exuberant. They got the ball, and now, I don't know. 
I'm not a player, so. Well, he also <laughs> he also had, like you said, he had a deflection that yep. you know TJ got the interception from too. So uh, he, he's playing well. Um, let's talk Cairo Santos. He said he he felt so much confidence from you that the 55 yarder. He said he could have kicked 60. He claims he told you 60 at the end of the game too, if you needed, uh, because of the initial miss that you did not waver. Um, how, how important is that head coach player relationship that you always talk about position coach, high tower, all that, because it seems to really resonate with Cairo. Yeah. That's the whole relationship, you know, uh, side of it. And we have relationships with all, every one of our players. And I think that's, that's a really key component to having a good football team that can have resolve, that can go through adversity, that can respond in a positive way. And it all starts there. You know, so it's my belief in him and his his belief in me and our relationship that we have together. So um, it was pretty easy uh, because we have that solid foundation. All right, you split your last eight. You go into the bye week pretty darn doggone healthy for a late season. You have five outdoor games in the elements, three at home. Um, what's your vision here for the final five and getting through it all? Yeah, well, you know, I was certainly pleased with the health of our football team. You know, the performance staff has done a really good job. The strength staff has done a good job of keeping those guys, um, you know, uh, where they need to be. And, uh, you know, our practices have been good. They've been energized. Um, you know, we're excited about these last five games and, and, and that they are outside. You know, this is Chicago Bear football uh, to us, and we're excited about the opportunity. I talked to the players yesterday about I want them to think about the opportunity and the plays that they're going to make, you know, uh, come, going forward uh, into these last five games. And, you know, rest recovery is a big part of this bye week uh, to get their mind, their body, and their spirit in the right spot uh, when they come back in on Monday. All right. Appreciate your time as always. Have a great bye week. All right. Thank you. All right. So he heads into the bye week feeling very optimistic, Tom, about the health of his football team, number one, and just right. their their determination and how hard they're they're playing on game day. Opposing coaches are seeing it. Analysts are seeing it. The Bears are playing hard. Uh, whatever the results are, sometimes they're not in your favor, but they are playing hard, and they're and they're they're in games. And so they they managed to find a way to win a road game in Minnesota. Not a simple task. All right, let's go back to the defense. I want to go back to what you were talking about about the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Montez sweat factor is significant. Let, let's be honest; it's making everybody else better on that defensive line, and, and for that matter, the whole defense. Uh, the ball's coming out quicker, like you said. I thought it was kind of strange watching the pastor not in the pocket there. They're, they weren't deep drops. They were short drops, and the pocket, it was really shrinking. The vice grips were there, and it was like he was oblivious to it, and he's like, I, I, I don't know how he even escaped a 10-sack day because that could have happened to him. Uh, what was your vantage point? What's your view of how he dealt with the Bears' pass rush, and what did you think of the job Travis Smith did for the simple things of even just putting Ngakwe on the same side with Sweat and let those guys work their magic. Demarcus Walker having three hits on the quarterback. Javon Dexter, again, adding to his pressures. That guy is on the move. He is coming. I, I just like the creativity that Sweat now has multiplied for this defensive staff to come up with plans. Yeah. First, I would rather talk about defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus because he's got a lot on his plate. And if you look at the different, um, the variation of defensive fronts, the way they used a variety of players when you filter in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, you look at TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn and Tremaine Edmonds, how they can line up at the line of scrimmage 
and now they have to be accounted for as pass rushers, not linebackers. But then they can drop instantly and get into a coverage responsibility that maybe the quarterback is not aware of where they're going to be. And now you talk about Travis Smith and the defensive line and the way he used a variety of lineups. And you talked about the short drop of Joshua Dobbs, but it was crunch time. So they said, okay, we're not going to let Joshua Dobbs get out of this pocket. We're going to have a good outside contain rush that's going to be included in pressure. And then the different alignments they were able to use on the interior, whether you want to use uh, strength of Andrew Billings, if you want to use the length of Javon Dexter, if you want to use the get off of Zach Pickens, or however you want to use that type of assisted talent. I think the Bears did a really nice job of being able to use multiple players in different unexpected areas, and then you make the offense think, and I I think that slows down the overall process of the offensive line and a a newly brought-in quarterback like Dobbs, even though he's got a minimal amount of experience with the Vikings. Like I touched on with uh, with Coach Fluce, it is a magnificent jump from being the worst to the best run defense in a calendar year here from a season ago. And that's where they're at right now. He wasn't thrilled with the run defense overall yesterday, a little bit too much there at times with Alexander Madison, but still the end result is their number one rush defense in the NFL. If you're just into yards, but I am, I mean, especially against the run and, and the team that ran the ball more yesterday successfully won the game. 19 and 3 now, last 22 games. The team that ran ball more won the game. And, and you know what? It's funny because I think you're looking ahead to Detroit and you're thinking the same thing. Whoever runs the ball better might win that game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, but I think, you know, one thing I always, you know, me, Jeff, I, you're the real weather man, you're the meteorologist. I'm just a weather predictor of in terms of football. And when I think of Detroit playing, even though they're from Michigan, playing outside rarely because they play in the Dome, then they play in Minnesota in the conference and all that. So I, I think uh, there's a lot that is challenging to a team that doesn't play outside regularly. And when you talk about the physical nature of a sustained running game, you got to be able to be comfortable playing in those cold temperatures. And so we'll see how it all factors out because the bears haven't played in really any cold weather yet this season. We're brought to you by PNC official bank of the bears, Jeff and Tom here every Tuesday and Thursday on the bears, et cetera podcast. And we will bring you another one coming up on Thursday. Uh, Tom and I on bye week will be joined by former bears quarterback and our good friend, Eric Kramer. He's written a new book. We'll get into that. On Thursday, he'll be our guest, so join us then. And, of course, every Tuesday, we have Matt Eberflus, the head coach. We just heard from him a short time ago. All right, uh, I got a lot of little pockets of stuff after watching the tape of this game. Uh, Jervon Dexter, I want to get into it. Again, I know they're taught a certain way to hit the quarterback, but, man, he's 6'6". He gets there in a big hurry, and he hits the quarterback. He gets the flag for it. Is there? And we talked, touched on it with Flus. You just can't lay your weight on him, but... It is what it is. It's the rule. But I, I like the way he did it anyway. I take the fight. I want him to be aggressive and nasty up there. I do. I, he, that defensive tackle position pushing the pocket at his size and length and his strength and another year in the weight room before he gets into year two, I'm very excited about him. Me too. You know, in my past experience playing against guys like that, 
So I practice against Steve McMichael all the time, but then you got Dan Hampton at the other defensive tackle position. You're talking about 6'2 against 6'6. So it's kind of similar to the interior talent with the D, the, the Bears are featuring right now. So when you get a guy like Javon Dexter, he makes you play a different type of game than a shorter defensive lineman does because you have to get to him quick and you got to try to get your hands to him. If you look at one of his pass rushes that he makes contact with the offensive lineman because he's using his length. Now he immediately puts the offensive lineman in a retreat position because he's using his strength more than the offensive lineman being able to use his striking ability. So you just think about the, the, differences in the talents that, that they have inside. And the more snaps Javon Dexter gets, the more he becomes familiar with using his structure. And I think that's probably his biggest asset, along with his athleticism, his intelligence, and the way he's developing. But he's starting to learn how to use his tools. When we talk about edge rushers, we, over time, have talked about how they run the hoop and the guys that can – you know, bend so low like Dwight Freeney or Von Miller or how Khalil Mack does the power moves, and you you respect that, the ankle flexion, to make that turn. Not everybody can do it. They just can't. There's a small percentage of humans that can do that. But Montez Sweat is built differently. He's long like Dexter. But am I out of my mind to be so crazy over the top in love with the idea that if you don't sustain a block on that dude, Within two steps, he is going to be on your quarterback like a lion on the on the Serengeti, and he is going to hurt your quarterback. He's ragdolling these guys. He did last week. He did it this week. I'm I'm really those two steps. Once he's free, he's on you. Right. Well, Who, who's running away from that? That's part of that hoop drill, though, that you talk about that they use at the combine. They use it in training camp. That that's what they want you to do is they want you to get low and come around the corner and then get off of that in a straight line. And that's where Montez Sweat, he wins the play, is he's able to display that bendability, come around a corner, and then when he's got the opportunity to run a straight line, oh, you're gone. There's, no, there's really no offensive tackles that can catch him in a retreat position. And there's, you know, there's a couple quarterbacks that can run away from him, but he much pretty much can go toe-to-toe with any of them. It's really impressive. That's been one of the highlights here since his arrival for me watching him. Uh, back to the rookies, Terrell Smith. Feisty little bugger, man. Uh, I like the way he played. Eight solo tackles, and it's not too big for him. I know, you know Brad Biggs and his 10 things for the Chicago Tribune does a great job, wrote and a quote from John Hoke back when uh, this was during training camp, and unfortunately he missed some time in training camp, but he said, what's the first word that pops in your head about this rookie from the University of Minnesota? And as he paused for a long while, he said, reliable. And that's a lot to say for a rookie you haven't even seen playing in an NFL game yet, just from practices. And he's proven to be that when he's gotten on the field. What are your thoughts on how he played yesterday? You know, so the the foundation of evaluation, Ryan Poles and his staff, one of the most difficult positions to identify that they truly have NFL caliber talent. So that's where it begins. But as soon as he came into the OTAs and got into training camp, they identified him of it not being too big for him to having the ability to cover NFL caliber receivers. And I was really excited what I saw yesterday because – 
you know, you've been on this kid since he's been around here and you really don't know what he's capable of doing until you put him in the best of circumstances. And when you talk about indoor football and that stadium against a really good receiver, that's when you really get to judge what this guy can be and what you hope him to be. And uh, Terrell Smith did a great job. He's not afraid to tackle. He's a physical football player. And um, I think the Bears and Ryan Poles and his staff should be really excited about the evaluation process and how he's proving them right. All right. And uh, with the excellence that we've seen, uh, again, he's had his ups and downs, obviously, but Tyreek Stevenson as well. By the way, uh, Flus at the podium saying that he thinks he'll be back before the end of the season, but they got to see how he comes out of it uh, with a foot injury at practice just the other day. Bears fans, you can be there for live NFL action all season long as the official ticket marketplace of the Bears in the NFL. Ticketmaster has a wide selection of tickets available for every game. So find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Bears. Jeff and Tom here on the Bears Etc. podcast. Uh, Justin Fields, this is the part we didn't talk about. Yes, he was Houdini, but he had 12 runs for 59 yards and a long of 14, now with 400 rushing yards, leading the Bears in this uh, running back by committee approach here this season. Uh, at the running back position, playing just uh, you know short of the full schedule, missing four games. So uh, the runs were still there. He still took advantage of some, not as many design runs. Uh, again, would you like to see a combination of what you've seen the last two weeks carry into the next five weeks? Yeah, but I would also I, – I think Justin probably left about 40 to 50 yards on the field. There was a couple of times that he tried to extend the pocket – so long that he ended up throwing the ball out of bounds or not having an opportunity to escape. If he would recognize and see immediate positive running yards ahead of him where he could get out of bounds or get down safely, I think you could take any 59-yard performance and turn it into a triple-digit performance easily if he wanted to. However, in the development of the quarterback position, I, I like his patience. I like his willingness to understand where the line of scrimmage is in trying to find a receiver for a bigger play. Cairo Santos, Tom, nine, or excuse me, 10 of his last 11 from 50-plus dating to last season, six for six this season. And here's his quote after the game. After missing wide right from 48 on his first kick of the day, no problem, go out there and hit the 55-yarder matching his career high, quote, I love this coach for allowing me to do that, the belief in him. And he felt he felt empowered. And that's a significant thing for a kicker. And they got to feel like they have the trust of their coach to go out there and do it. It is, but um, the one thing that I, I, I'm a, a little apprehensive about is the remainder of the season, he's never going to have perfect kicking conditions because of the temperature. And it affects every kicker in the NFL. I'm not saying this is exclusive to Cairo. I just think that when you get into the wind of the winter and you get into the temperatures, you get the hard footballs and everything, it changes what your distance comfort is. So I'm really interested to see how, how Cairo closes out this season with the type of kicks hopefully he'll be able to make. Tom, I know it's not been an easy ride. And there's no linear way to finish a season. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. You look what happened with the Lions last year. They started so poorly, and they finished winning six of their final eight games. It's been a bounce that they've taken into the next year. 
uh, with a coach that has uh, has everybody's attention up there. Uh, but uh, you know, twelve ten, it doesn't it doesn't sound great, doesn't look great all, at all times. But you still squeeze out a win, and and when you clear through the clouds, you feel a little bit better about, especially because of how hard and how opportunistic the defense has been. These eight takeaways in the last two games. I mean, that's significant. The the negative part of it is, out of those eight takeaways, you've only gotten 13 points. Right. Your three turnovers offensively has led to 14 points for the opposition. So if they can just find a way to start taking advantage more of their opportunities, would you feel a little more optimistic about what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, take advantage of the turnovers, uh, have the Bears defense be more stingy in the red zone. But I don't care what the score was as long as they beat a divisional opponent on the road because they should have beaten Detroit, a divisional opponent on the road. And, Jeff, how do you win the division? You you got to win division road games. And if you can prove to yourself, if you can close out the season and go in there and perform at the opponent's stadiums and win these games, you're going to go into the offseason thinking that you should be the division favorite going into next year. So, uh, you know, whatever the score is, you, you look at all the, the storylines around the NFL, how Pittsburgh hasn't won the, the numbers battles, but they're, you know, they have a winning record and some of the other teams around the league. So um, I, I'm, I'm more encouraged about the win and where the bears are going than discouraged. Yeah. Like we said, if you're a player watching a tape or if you're a coaching staff trying to make better decisions, red zone in uh, scoring, uh, opportunity for your offense. Yeah, no style points necessary. You don't apologize for wins. None of that matters for sure. Vizzy Hart Seltzer, the official Hart Seltzer of the Chicago Bears. Remaining moments with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on the Bears Etc. podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys joining us over the course of this season so far. We're not going to abandon you during the bye week. We'll be back on Thursday with more. All right, Tom, former Bears, Devin Hester, Julius Peppers, yep. Jared Allen, you know, not here that long, more of a Minnesota Viking, Kansas City Chief, but 25, modern era, make it 24, modern era semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 24. We certainly expected Devin to be in there and Peppers, uh, but the interesting it's an interesting list, and, I, you know, it's not going to be a simple task, again, uh, for Devin uh, to, to get in there, even though everybody believes he should and will at some point, but some of the others on that list, Dwight Freeney, Antonio Gates, James Harrison, Rodney Harrison, a Chicago guy, uh, Tory Holt, Andre Johnson, Robert Mathis, Pep, Steve Smith Sr., Fred Taylor, Heinz Ward, um, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson, the former Cowboy. I mean, it's a it's a pretty significant list. Yeah. I don't consider Julius Peppers or Jared Allen or guys that have Fair come enough. here and had a cup of coffee, and they're not going to wear the Bears hat when they go into the Hall of Fame. How about Marion Catholic, Sir Rodney Harrison? Um, I'm not so sure he deserves it. I I like him. I like the way he plays, I, the way he played. Um, but in that class and that list, I looked at it today. I admire a lot of those guys, yeah. but I'm pulling for Denver. Or Denver. I'm pulling for <laughs> Devin because he's he's got a special you know craft that he perfected, and I think he deserves it. 
it's deserving in every way, shape, and form to just use a cliche, but um, I, I certainly hope it happens. It's going to happen eventually. I hope. I certainly hope it happens for him after spending time with him in Orlando in week uh, two, three against Tampa. Uh, that was a wonderful experience, and I got to feel uh, his passion for this and his desire to, to get there, and uh, it, it'll be an amazing feeling if he does. For you and I is the fact that we – interviewed Dan Fouts a couple weeks ago, who is a Hall of Fame voter, and he has his attention as a player who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think that's important as well. 100%. Steinhoffels is an employee-owned furniture and mattress store, so visit any of their four Chicagoland locations in Vernon Hills, Crystal Lake, Downers Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. Hey, it's the holiday season. Tom, you know you can run over to Steinhoffels. Buy me a couch for Christmas. Maybe I'll get you a dresser or something. I don't know. Maybe you need something over there. Well, uh, you you gifted <laughs> me a couch this I past did. year, so I maybe I should repay you. Get my brother's pickup truck <laughs> and haul one over to your house. Ah, that's what brothers do, right? That's what brothers do. All right, Tom, we're celebrating a win into the bye week. You can't get any better than that for sure. Check us out on the various platforms. We'll be doing uh, Bears game night live on Sunday night on Fox, so check us out for that. We'll have a recap of all this as well, Bears, et cetera, on Thursday. Again, with Eric Kramer, the former Bears uh, quarterback, and a, a really compelling uh, uh, book that he has written about his journey, uh, not just in football, but off the field and his battles as well. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Our next podcast Thursday. Check us out, and thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody. <laughs>